podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Welcome to episode 187 of the Unholy Trinity podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, the UK's only dedicated sports podcast network. And also, Fanatics, just me and Lee as we're recording fairly late on a, on a Sunday evening. Um, and <laughs> straight into it, Lee, and obviously, Everton, Nil Arsenal won. Um, on a scale of one to board, how bored were you during those 90 minutes? Uh, well, unfortunately, I couldn't make the games there. I know you and Pete went. I couldn't make it uh, looking after my little one. But, um, yeah, I mean, I said to you before we started recording, I think I even texted the group to you. I think that is quite possibly, I don't know what it was like in the ground, but it must have been similar for you. But quite possibly the most bored I've ever been <laughs> watching my own football team. And, look, we've seen some belters over the years. We really have, you know. Especially under uh, obviously uh, previous managers, even even recently like Rafa and you know, some of the. I think then we go in the Allardyce two and a half games without having a shot on target or something. Yeah, so, yeah. But that kind of almost reminded me of then. That 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 game today was almost like the time under Allardyce where it was just a case of look, we're not even interested in hurting the opposition. We're just going to camp in here, except that you're a better team, and even though we've got you know potentially that. Like, some of the, the most raucous fans in the league when it gets going in the most raucous ground, we're just going to not even, you know, not even try and have a, have, have a go. I mean, yeah, I can I can understand that type of performance. You know, we've we've done that type of performance even under peak Moyes days when we went to the Emirates, you know, or even Highbury or whatever it was, but not at home. Yeah, not at home. I mean, again, we're a team struggling for form, for points, for goals. You know, we've been quite open. So I totally understand in, in, in terms of, you know, Arsenal were always going to have more of the ball. Um, but when we played them under Dyche, well, first game last year, we we just carried way more of a threat. We were aggressive. We got the crowd into it because we were aggressive. We got we got, we got got near them, you know. Today, you know, we just couldn't get, we couldn't lay a glove on them. We just could not lay a glove on them today. And, and you know, you could say, say what you like. I mean, you know, nil nil, yeah, okay. You, of course, you'd take that at the end of the game, but there's ways, there's ways to lose, isn't there? And 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 especially at home today, it was just a damp, a damp squid. And I and I, I just, like I said to you, I I've, I was just bored stiff, mate, watching my own football team, and it should never ever come to that ever for me. Yeah, what I mean. It was, it was very boring. Um, and don't get me wrong, I've had, had this conversation with Pete after the game, uh, and there was people around me screaming for Everton to go toe to toe. And you know, even at nil nil, they should be going four four two. And I'm, I'm not particularly on that on that page. Um, and Everton were always going to set up in a manner that allowed Arsenal to control the possession. And Everton was saying. Break us down if you can, and I mean you could argue for 69, 69 minutes we did that side of things okay because they couldn't break us down. They didn't pose a massive threat. I've got to be honest. I mean the first half they had a lot of the ball, Arsenal, but didn't really do much with it. By the goal, which was borderline offside, you know we, we weren't really under under much uh, much threat. And second half they started quickly, and Everton were, were still in the changing rooms, and they had obviously a couple of chances forced Pickford into a save. But I think that. There's ways and means of setting up to allow a side to have possession, but then still, still be a threat ourselves. You know when we have the opportunity, and I think what we did so well against them in February in Sean Dyson's first first game, Everton didn't do that at all today. And 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 I mean that the simple side of the game in terms of when we were getting corners or free kicks in and around the box, the delivery was absolutely horrendous. By the way, and. It was catching practice for, for for David Ray in goal. You know, Ashley Young, I, I pulled after the um, the Wolves game. I, I still couldn't understand why when set pieces aren't working and when they're not effective and when you're not causing any kind of problems, why why do you persist, persist with the same set piece taker? Now, we had Dwight McNeil back today. 
know, pl- playing a full a full game and pretty much and why we know his set piece delivery is good. We know technically he, he's certainly one of our best better crosses of the ball. So when it hasn't worked for Ashley Young, why aren't we saying since White McNeil? You you stand over the ball, you take it because a couple of times he was around, or, you know, free kicks, and basically just just left him. I just I, I can't for the life of me. We we set up to play a particular way, and the opportunities that we were creating were from, from set pieces in terms of that was going to be Everton's chance to actually put them under some kind of pressure and look to score a goal like we did in February. And for me, we wasted every single opportunity that we got in the round there box corners set pieces. And that, that's just I, I just I just couldn't couldn't believe it. But, but go very, on. Very, on that free kick thing, vary it, Mike, innit? Okay, yeah, I mean, yeah, if you're course, gonna yeah. if you, have a left foot and a right foot standing over it, and obviously if you know if the designated taker is Ashley Young, let 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 McNeil put a couple in just to change the you know just to change it up so they don't know what they're gonna get. Mm. You know what I mean? I mean you know it, you know as you've said before, you know Young since he's been on set pieces has hardly been. Yeah, putting great deliveries in, but just just change it up, change it up. Just give them something different to look at. They just get floated in. They they're getting floated in, and and it was just catching practice, you know. And even when you you floated in, and it was away from the goalkeeper, it's easy for the defence. Arsenal have got two big lads at centre half. They got Declan Nice, who was winning the headers as well. They not not a small side by by any means, and Everton are now. I noticed, you know, before the game started, looking at the at the players warming up, we got a bit of size there now in the squad. Just didn't, didn't use it, and obviously we had to go long as well. We were going long at times to to better. We got absolutely no service whatsoever, by the way. And mm. even then, the, the, the balls the balls weren't great. And if he if he won a header, there was nobody around him to to pick the second ball up. Or it was just overall, you know. The, the intensity wasn't there. Now, I think people sometimes throw out the, you know, when they say there was, there was a lack of effort. I don't think you, you can really question effort. Everton was set up to play a particular way. They've been told to play a particular way and it worked for 69 minutes. So in terms of effort, just because a player is not pressing what we would deem to be at the right time, they're playing to instructions for me. So that, that's what's gone on there. Everton should have played how they played against Arsenal in February. Sounds really simple to do that. But they should have done because we did so many things so well. And we just never, ever, ever looked like causing them any kind of concern at all in the attacking sense. And it was very much a case of if we got a point, and we all would have been happy with a nil-nil, of course we would, because you know a point against Arsenal is decent. But it's how you go about your business. And I just felt that Everton, not at any point today, decided to put the foot on the accelerator caused or asked Arsenal any kind of questions and that's the real disappointing thing is we know they're a better side we know if we get something from the game it would be a real positive but there's ways and means of going about your business and, and losing the game almost and Everton for me lost in the in the worst possible way and that is by not showing any kind of attack and intent at all I think I think <laughs> Is Allardyce going to put put up, you know, speak to the players before? Uh, not Allardyce, sorry. It was Allardyce performance type <laughs> performance, like I said. But is Dice going to literally beforehand going to going to uh, you know going through the uh, tactics with the players before the game? Going to go, lads. Look, I just do not want us to go beyond the halfway line today. You know what I mean? I do not want us to play. You know, have any attacking intent like you just said there. Of course, he's not. But so when you when when you break when you break. In that type of, I mean, Gary Neville alluded to, alluded uh, to it today, and you wouldn't have seen actually were there, but but Everton in transition today were absolutely shocking, absolutely shocking, and that transition normally comes down to the midfield three, doesn't it? So when when we when we win the ball back, either our defenders win it back, or the midfield wins it back, it's how 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 do we transition from defence to attack? Now Arsenal from the kickoff. Straight away, obviously they won. They won the toss, or so, so they, they they kicked off. They they pretty much nigh on kept the ball for a good twenty minutes, like give or take. All right, took took the crowd out of the game completely. You know, Arteta's been there before and seen it and done it, hasn't he? He's played at Goodison numerous times. You know, throughout the mainstay of his career, he knows that if you just keep the ball and keep the ball and keep the ball and keep the ball, eventually you'll take the crowd out of the game. And then it can almost have the opposite effect where they then become, you know, start getting on the players' backs 
and then it can then become even more of a problem. Um, and especially now under the current circumstances with everything going on with the club, both on and off the pitch. But And that's what they did. They just kept it. You just said it there. They didn't really mega hurt us, and they didn't really at all. But Arsenal play, it's very, it's very Guardiola-esque, isn't it? They play in a... In a, in a it's patterns. It's all about patterns and creating angles. They, they, they're always looking for an overload. They do the same. Like the goal they scored was fantastic, right? Hats off. It was a fantastic goal. But I can tell you now, they've worked on that move a thousand times in training. Waited nearly 30 seconds to take the, to, to take the, take the corner. Waited for Everson to semi-switch off. Go short to Odegaard. It always gets recycled to the edge of the box. Tarkovsky came flying out to close him down. They then go, right, don't get the shot off. It then goes back back the other way. And then literally, they've created a little a mini overload there to Saka. He's in the space. They found him. He pulls it back. Goal. You know what I mean? They, they, they play in, in that. It's, it's, you know, Guardiola's a genius. But he, the reason teams get stronger and stronger and, and players get better and better under his system is because they, they're always looking to manip- manipulate like processes of play over and over and over and over and over again. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like doing something like, well, we'll keep on doing this, or we'll keep on recycling it until we create a position where there's an overload or there's a bit of space, bam, and they'll, they're in. And, you know, we did well, like you said, to, to nullify most of that for most of the game, other than the Martinelli goal, which was, you know, we all thought was a goal. But that's the way they play, and you have to concentrate so much, you know, defending against that. So when you do get it into midfield and you win it back, you've got to have quality. You've got to. Either through ball carrying, and you got you know you either carry the ball at the pitch, or you get it into the forward, and he's then got to have options to lay it off. I felt so sorry for Beto. You said it there; it was fizzed into him, it was bounced into him. It was all, you know a couple of times he did get hold of it. Then he was kind of like, "Who can I let?" He had one person to lay it off to. Then Arsenal was just on, on to, you know they won the ball back so quickly every time, and then when they went it back, it was another ten minutes of them keeping the ball, and I just think. It's it's so so frustrating watching that today. It really was, because you know you just said it there. If we'd have got a nil nil and played that way, where we carried next to no threat whatsoever, then you just gone. You know what? Fair enough. Take the point. But you just knew a goal was going to come. They've got too much quality. They were get they were getting in and around our box so often. It was only going to be a matter of time before one of them did something. Um, and in the end, as I said, it was it, you, you got to take your hat off. It was a class goal. It was you know they, they've engineered that move, and that's what they do. Arsenal they engineer plays over and over again until they get into a position to get a shot off, and that's what it was today. Um, and you know, the sad part is, better I felt for him on his home debut. I said this to a couple of people after the game. You know, you'd love that his home debut to have been the Wolves game, wouldn't it, or the Fulham one. You know, if we'd have, I know it's ifs, buts and maybes, but if we'd have played Arsenal first game of the season and lost 1-0 in that manner with Mope up front, you'd have gone, you know what, we wouldn't have, weren't expecting to get anything from that. And then we'd have played either Wolves or Fulham today with Beto up front with Calvert-Lewin on the bench. I can guarantee you now, we probably would have won. And I know, it's, I know it sounds stupid and again, it's ifs, but it's true though, isn't it? it? We probably would have done. If we'd have had a much easier game today, where better would have been a lot more involved, and we'd have, we'd, have, we'd have been playing a lot higher up the pitch. You know, with the crowd, it would have been a much more exciting game for him to make his home debut, and wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, like 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 you say, you know, it's um, it's all ifs, buts, and maybes, and and what have you. You know, at the end of the day, we look back at those games, and we still should have won those games with or without better or and you know, whoever it might have been. But I think that the, also the frustrating thing for me today is. After going one nil down, so we've already made that change and brought Calvert Lewin on before the goal, haven't we? And even after they've scored the goal, Everton, okay, we showed a little bit more in terms of there was slightly more aggression when it came to the press, I thought. But what we but at, again, at, I had this conversation with Pete. Arsenal will come away from that game and they'll win all sorts of plaudits. And certain players like Saver, the guy, we know how good he is. Declan Nice, we know how good he is. But Everton made it as easy as possible for those kind of players. Even after going behind, the first line of the press in terms of Calvert-Lewin, Dan Juma, Chimiti when he came on, once that was broken, Declan Rice was still in acres of space. So those behind our, our forward players still didn't have the insight 
and, and the mindset to think, you know what, I'm going to get on Declan Rice. It all went through Declan Rice. Every single part of their game went through. Now, we know he's a good player, but if you give any player 10 yards and you allow any player to take seven, eight, nine touches before we get anywhere near them, they're going to have an easy game. He's probably got 100% pass accuracy. I'd be very surprised if it's below 98%, I've got to be honest, because we didn't get anywhere near Rice all game. And that's a disappointing thing. Even reacting to going behind, Everton just didn't show anything. You know, there just wasn't anything there. And the Arsenal are a good side, but we beat them. We beat them last season. They're not world beaters. You know, they, as I said last week, they're probably second behind Man City, I would have thought, in terms of quality this season, with potentially Liverpool pushing them a little bit closer. But well, we've beaten them in the last four at home and drawn one. Exactly, exactly. But what's, what's, what's the difference in terms of February to now? What is the difference? Because you've got a blueprint there on how to beat Arsenal. And how to beat Arsenal is to get amongst them without obviously breaking your shape, pressing at the right time, playing with a little bit of intensity, taking the opportunities when the moments present themselves. When you get free kicks and corners, make sure that they're effective and you're causing them problems. You know, be physical. Everton were none of that. And as I say, there's ways and means of playing in a manner which allows a side to control possession and being solid and not breaking your shape. But you've got to do it the right way. You've got to do it in a way, like I said, that does carry a threat and, and it shows them that they're in the game. They'll have more difficult training matches than that. They really will, where there's no contact. Now, well, we, we, we were playing like we almost had 10 men, didn't we, today, really? Like it, was, it was that bad, wasn't it? With that many, many behind the ball. We've been calling for... Um, it'd be interesting what you think here, Mike, actually. We've been calling for Onana to play in a sixth, haven't we? Because um, so, Gay started the season um, playing uh, the deepest of all of the three midfielders. You know, um, Onana played six for Belgium. He played six for Belgium uh, in, in the international break. He's come in and he's gone, OK, we'll have you sitting there in the sixth. So he changed it today with a view, obviously, that Gay was going to push higher on. And we've been saying this for a while, you know, Gay in an eight realistically should be more effective because he can go ball hunting knowing he's got cover behind him. You know, you know, probably not the right game in terms of, you know, how effective that can be. I, I would still persist with it in the next few games, by the way. But I'm interested in your thoughts on... on, on, on oh, I thought all the midfield three, both Onana, Garner and Decore today, who obviously play in the highest of the three, all had poor games. Um, Garner this season hasn't been bad at all, but I just look. I look at Onana, and, I just, and, and he's got he's got such amazing physical attributes, and he has, and, and we know that he's an athlete, good on the ball as well. He's got good feet, and he's only young as well. But like you know, when we played Arsenal last time, if you look at the goal that you know, the Damari Gray went away, that came from essentially. Damari Gray, when when we had him in the team, he's a ball carrier, isn't he? Damari Gray's got good quality. You know, we we know that he's got good quality, but he'll also get you up the pitch pretty quickly because he's got pace, and and he's good on the ball. He's got good feet. He'll win free kicks. You know, McNeil hasn't got pace. He's not really gonna. He's one of those weird players. Sometimes he's actually look, looks quicker with the ball sometimes, and but he's still not lightning quick. Obviously, Dan Jim is reasonably quick again, but not lightning quick. So we were just crying out for someone to be able to just carry us forward, you know. If the because pa- every time we tried to pass it through midfield, we gave it away, you know, because we we you know we just, either through lack of quality or a combination of Arsenal just you know setting traps and you know winning the ball back as I said very quickly. It just needed some someone like an Onan or something. If there was space, let's drive into it, mate. Drive, because he, he he can get up and down that pitch in about five strides anyway, can't he? Do you know what I mean? And Look, I'm not saying that you expect him to be prime Patrick Vieira or Yaya Torre, but I just I just think he should affect the game a lot more for me. And then look, today's not the easiest example because we know Arsenal are very, very good. You could probably make a comment on it for most of the season. I just think with so much ability, the fact that teams are, you know, are willing to pay maybe north of 60 million for him. Show that, mate. You know, show it, show, show us what you've got. Show because he's clearly a confident lad. I just, I just, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, 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 I'm just interested in what you think. I think, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of Onana and I, and I put out a tweet at the start of the season and said he's going to be vital for us this season. I think he'll grow into it. 
he'll look better. I think to be fair, I am started, too. I'm a fan. Yeah. I, I think I think he started the season okay. I thought he was poor today. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here saying saying he was anything but get the but get some really poor passes on his behalf. Um, and and the thing with Olana is we've said it for quite a while. What you want to see him do is just drive with the ball. He's got yeah. the the legs. He's got the speed. He's, he's got the physicality where he can go with the ball. And you know, at times when he picked the ball up in front of the, the two centre halves, so or we break up, we broke up the play, and he's got space to dive into. You want him to just go? Don't even think about it. Just go because Garner Gay will sit in behind you. But like you say today, Garner was was pushed high up, as was the Corey. They were sort of on opposite sides, weren't they? And when when the ball was on one side, one would go and, and vice versa. Um, now I, I like Onana in the six. I think he, he will do a good job there. I think today. Really, it should have been a double six, personally, for more for more protection. Um, however, he doesn't. I, I think he's an easy target. I've got to be honest, because he came with it with a hefty price tag. I think he's an easier target than, than others. Um, I think his stats back up. He's had a, he's had a decent start of the season. I still think at times it does look like he plays within himself. I think that that's exactly it. That's it. I, I just think he's got the playing within himself is the word. There is the words. I, I just think Mike. He, he should, Look, don't get me wrong, you are right. He was told to sit in front and shield today. But when I look at, you know, someone like, um, obviously someone who was at the end, the other end of his career, but like Gareth Barry, mate, he was brilliant at knowing when to go and when to sit. And, it, you know, obviously Idrissa Gay knows that if Garner then, if Anana goes on a run, then he can drop into that six if needs be, can't he, you know, to cover him. You know, I just think, and he's still young, and I agree with you, overall he's, he's, had, he's had a reasonable start to the season. But I just think with his attributes, he just he should affect the game more. Grab the game, grab it. You know what I mean? Grab it and then run with it, win free kicks. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I, I just want more from him in a way, really, I think. I think we all do. And I think, you know, because he came in with it, a hefty price tag and because he was getting chased by other clubs, um, we all thought may, maybe slightly foolishly in a way that he'd come in and hit the ground running but you know young kids was he 21 22 years of age this is only his second season in the premier league he's coming to a club that let's face it it's it, it's rotten to the core and it's not not an easy environment to be in when we're looking for somebody to to really pull us through games um but i do i, I understand why people look at him and think he's got to be doing more you know and outside you know his passing today wasn't great but we all know he's great in the tackle. Sometimes he he takes the simple way out and at times doesn't think, have I got time? Can I turn? Can I, can I go with the ball? He'll get the ball and give it back or go sideways where he wants to go. Do you know what? You know, let's let's take the ball by the horn here and, and try and try and do something a little bit different. And I think, you know, as I say, I think it will come with him. I really do. Not not the not the best game to to sort of over-analyze, I don't think certain players by today because I think everyone was poor. But outside of Brantway, it was thought out after sort of a nervy start. I thought it was probably our best player. I think he looked really outstanding. Good. Outstanding today, Brantway was really um, read the game brilliantly. Uh, he, he, we've got another gem there, by the way. He, he's another John Stones in the making. I thought Mikolenko surprised me today. I thought he played well. I think Mikolenko didn't have much. I think he started well. He had a, he had a decent enough first half. Got unlucky with a couple of tackles where he thinks he's won the board to ricochet and the sackers got away. I think second half he got a bit sloppy. I've got to be honest. I think there was things, you know, balls rolling out from under his feet. I think he he got fouled out a couple of times in the second half. But that, you know, I'm not sitting here sleeping. Wait, did you see that block he did for the, sh- the shot? Yeah, well Abs- yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. putting your body on the line. That yeah, you know he I mean? does that, and and he'll do that. You know, it's not a case of sitting here sleeping him. Every single player on the pitch today doesn't deserve any kind of praise. As I say, outside of Brantwaite, we, we were massively, massively poor. Um, and no one sort of shone um, and, and put the spotlight on them in any kind of glory at all. But I just think, you know, with Onana, I think it's it's really, it's it's difficult in, in a side that's struggling for, for form, for confidence, to, to really overanalyze any player, especially a young lad. But I do think he started the season okay. I don't think he's certainly, I, I think he's probably... Had some, he's had some really good moments. He's had some re- real poor moments today, I think. Um, but we, we've got we've got to now see players, not just not just him. 
because he plays stand up and and you know he's got a stomach got a stomach for the fight because there's some really important games now around the corner. So th- this game was never going to define the season. It was never going to be a case of we should lose our heads because we lost to Arsenal. I said last week and someone called me out because uh, I said if we go into the Luton game after playing six games and having one point, it won't be in my head. It will not be the be-all and end-all because we weren't expected to beat Arsenal, which we haven't done. And Brentford's a really tough game. So with, what, what the point I'm making there is Sean Dice will be will be judged on Luton and Bournemouth, in my opinion. And and that's, that's how I think it'll go. But um, it was just a really, really dull performance. It was flat. I thought, you know, as a as a fan base, as a crowd, we were flat. Understandably so. It's been so difficult. And, you know, over the years, those kind of games have been the ones where it's been red hot. The atmosphere has been, been terrific. It's probably pulled, pulled players through. It's it's a tough time at the moment. It really is. And um, there's, a, there's, a, there's quite a bit of doom and gloom around the club, which has built up and built up and, and snowballed more and more and more over the last probably six, seven months, more than any other time that I can remember. So it's it's a difficult time. Um, but it, it's can, certainly... can, I, can I also say today as well, when we did get any sort of resemblance of an attack, a set piece or whatever. Arsenal were a joke today as well. Like, you know, the centre-offs, both big lads as well. Both of them there, embarrassing at times. Look, don't get me wrong, we were dire today. Didn't deserve anything from the game whatsoever. We know that. But that was... And the referee the referee couldn't wait to blow a lot of the times as well. Saliba went down looking for a red card, embarrassing. Gabriel went down, holding his face. Uh, their keeper came for a, a, another aimless, floaty, long ball, and actually ran into the back of Gabriel, and then uh, and then dropped the ball. It was like Michael Keane all over again against Wolves, wasn't it? You know what I mean? Drops the ball, Fulham, sorry, drops the ball, and then uh, you know, obviously could have led to another chance, but again blows. And in the end, he's actually, if you look at it close, he's, he's ran into the back of Gabriel. You know what I mean? It's. And then at the end of it, we had 12 minutes were played um, uh, for Spurs the other day, uh, and they got two goals in, extra, uh, in injury time when they were off. obviously that's a good result for us, by the way. I'm not complaining about that. And also great to see Richarlison get a goal. But what I'm saying is, is the consistency in the Premier League is a joke. There must have been about eight substitutions, if not more, and then they played four minutes of uh, injury time. Four minutes. Arsenal were constantly slowing the game down, constantly. You know, like, like I said before, they were taking 30 seconds just to take a corner. You know what I mean? So they were constantly doing it. And then the players were staying down. And look, it's gamesmanship. Don't get me wrong. I understand I understand. it's it's, it's a bit of a part of the game now. But the whole reason they were on about adding these minutes on was to try and go, well, you know what, if you're going to do that, we'll add 10 minutes on then. And I was I, I, at least eight or nine minutes. And then for it to be four, I mean, come on. I didn't want to sort of spend too much time on the referee because we all know it was a poor performance and, and how many times over the last, you know, we, we've been recording now for not far or five years and how many times have we had to discuss referees. But I think the performance of officials full stop is horrendous. You know, we we, we, we had this, um, the, the, the protocols come out for the start of the season and we saw that meet first couple of games, silly, silly, silly stoppage times, you know, 11 minutes, 12 minutes. All the time. That was that was what they were told to do. That was that was the uh, they were the rules. That was the um, the framework that we we got to work by. We knew that, so we knew what to expect. So it comes a bit of a shock the first game, but then okay, listen, is what it is. You know, it'll stop. It'll stop side slowing the game down. It'll stop the time wasting, the gamesmanship, all, all stuff like that. In the first half, it was four minutes to stop its time, which which was hefty. You know, there was four minutes to stop its time. There was one sub made, which is when Martinelli went off and Sassar came on. There was, a, there was a few stoppages here and there in the first half, not four minutes worth. But I suppose if you want to, by the letter of the law, if, if we're going to go off the, the current um, season's guidelines, then it was, you know, wasn't probably too far off. Maybe 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 three minutes, but okay. Called them a bit of slack. When I went up for the second half, end of the game, I, couldn't, I literally couldn't believe it. I, there were seven substitutes made in the second half. There was a goal scored. So, celebration, obviously, for the goal as well. Arsenal, like you say, every single time anyone went anywhere near them, they were going down, holding the face when they weren't even hitting the face or the head. Uh, the referee was stopping the game when uh, they were down, not with a head injury, by the way. Now, that's not part of the rules. If they're down, hold the leg. Get on with it. 
get, get on with the game. And he was stopping the game. That's wrong. And this is this is what, what drives me nuts. I'll tell you right now, if Everton were winning that game 1-0, there would have been at least 10 minutes stop his time. And I'll, I'll, I'll stick by that because I said it to the person next to me at the game today, the referee does not govern and referee the match. He referees the team. So whatever team, you know, where our teams are on the pitch, that influences how they referee the game. And, and it absolutely drives me nuts. Arsenal, the first half, I think Saka got a little clip. What He stumbled, referee said, play on, advantage. Went on for another, another five, six seconds when he wasn't stumbling. Went, fell on the floor and then took it back. And you think, oh, okay, you're playing advantage. Second half, Everton, one of our players goes down right-hand side, gets clipped, I think it might have been Ashley Young, gets clipped, plays the ball down the line for James Garner. Wasn't a great ball, doesn't get anywhere near it. No, play on. No, no basically, I play the advantage. This is what absolutely destroys me because the consistency... There's no consistency. No consistency whatsoever, and it's you know that's not cost effort in the games today. I'm not sitting here saying it's not made, we've no, the game because of the referee. But you want to see consistency across the board. You want to make sure it's fair. It, it should have been probably seven, eight, nine minutes stoppage time. Second half, we could have accepted that. Four's a joke. Why all of a sudden are we now from one half to the next? Why are we changing how you're officiating this game and how you're talking up the stoppage time? It's appalling. And you know, we, we could well, they came it. into a lot of criticism yesterday for some of the minutes. They've come into a lot of criticism since the start of the season for the stupid uh, or in inverted commas stupid number of minutes being added on. They came into a lot of stick yesterday, um, you know, particularly for the Spurs game. Um so I, I can guarantee you now, it wouldn't it would not surprise me whatsoever uh, if if they've then gone, Hey lads, I tell you what, um Make sure you just just curb it a little bit on the on the minutes, will you? Do you know what I mean? Mm. I, I I can guarantee you now. I bet you that's the case. Mm. Bet you any I'm, money that's the case. I'm 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 happy to if they're deciding that they want to play lengthy stoppage time. By the way, in Europe, they they're being told that that will not that will not be the case. They're not taking the stance that we're taking in the Premier League. But if they want to do that, and they've come out at the start of the season and they've said this is what we're going to do, then stick by it. Don't don't just start changing the rules because from one week to the next. You're putting teams at a disadvantage because if you're playing twelve, if you're playing twelve minutes one day, stoppage time for a similar number of stoppages, and then you're playing four the next, sides are losing out. When you could be, you know, how many, how many goals do we see scored in in stoppage time? There's a fair few, and it, it just it just drives me nuts. But there was an occasion when Arsenal crowded the referee, and that was all getting stopped this season. He was getting apparently, I think more more than um, two players went to the referee. You, you got you got a yellow card. No, none of that. Just do whatever you want, you know. When it's just, it absolutely, it drives me nuts. But listen, let, let's 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 leave leave things there. It's not like you know we're not going to lose our heads over the games today. But the concerning signs and the fact that we we were nowhere near competitive against yes a strong side, but Everton have got to do much much better. The manager's got to do better. And obviously now, like I've said, there's just some some real important important games around the corner. Uh, but we're going to discuss obviously. Uh, no, go on, mate. You, you carry on. No, I was just going to say, we're going to discuss, obviously, Brentford shortly. That's our next game. Um, but we're just going to take a short break and have a quick chat in regards to the news surrounding the potential takeover from, from 777 Partners after this short break. Welcome back to the second part of today's Unholy Chancy podcast. And like I mentioned, obviously, the, all, all the talk of the... Uh, Partway through the week was was surrounding Farhad Mishiri agreeing to sell his ninety four point one percent stake in Everton Football Club to uh, to seven 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 partners. Obviously, a long way to go in terms of the actual process, whether it gets signed off by the Premier League, the FA, the Financial Authority, etc., etc. We've had the brief chat about these in the past. Obviously, the all the talk has been around MSP Capital. Um, that that was is now dead in the water. Um, however, they have provided this £100 million loan for, for Bradley Moore. 777 Partners, obviously, have got either own or have got stakes in, in I think, it's seven or eight clubs around the world. Um, and they've got a, a you know a quite concerning backstory, which, which most people will know about um, as well. They also own, uh, or got a massive stake in, 
in a, in a British basketball club and the basketball league, and there's been issues around that. I just want to get your take, Lee. You know, we, we don't know. We don't know the ins and outs, do you? you know, we, we know farm issues agree to sell to them. There's, there's concerns around the funding. How's it going to work? Can they actually, have they got the money there to actually pay for his his, um, his share in the club for, for Bramley more, obviously for the debts that we, uh, the loans we owe other people. What's, what's your what's your take on it? As I say, we're, we're no experts. All we can go of is what we've read, what we've researched, what we've heard. Um, are you concerned by it? Or are you, are you happy to sort of see how it plays out? And if they do come in, as I say, long way to go. If they do come in, would you be happy to just sort of see how they how they got on? Well, firstly, that's important to mention that it, it's, you know, it, this is not signed, sealed, delivered, despite a lot of the tweets going around. I think even Triple Seven have even tweeted themselves, haven't they, saying, you know, welcome Everson fans and all that. Well, obviously, no, nothing's been uh, signed and, and sealed yet. And the noises are by the time, all, you know, all the due diligence has taken place and everything else. But you're looking at um, what they reckon at the turn of the year, aren't they? December, January time before anything might get officially announced. But look, on the face of it, you know, they haven't, let's be honest, they haven't got a great, um, you know, track record. There's plenty, there's plenty of red flags knocking around. Uh, you know, you only have to do a bit of reading around it and you see, you know, a lot of the bad reports about you know, some clubs where they've agreed a deal haven't even been paid. You know, some owners, previous owners coming out saying we're still, the money's still outstanding. Um, you see a lot of the banners knocking around these other clubs in terms of you know, everything going on. Uh, I think, it, what was the one at the weekend? I can't remember. Was it uh, was it Hertha Berlin, was it? I can't remember Hertha who it was. Berlin, yeah. It, it, yeah. In, in regard to the sort of demonetization of fans and potentially looking to sell, say, insurance as opposed to beers and... Yeah, you know, ridiculous. Yeah. Say, things like that. You know, you... You look at Sevilla, where they've got the whole squads up for sale. But then you have to caveat a lot of this because obviously, you know, they've not gone in and, and, and bought large stakes in all of these clubs. You know, a lot of these clubs were struggling before they came in. Um, you know, so we do have to caveat that as well. It's not all doom and gloom. And we have to be very careful for me how we, ha- how we have those particular conversations around it um, because, you know, we don't know the full detail yet. Until we do know the full detail, then then we can start to make more of a concerted opinion. So for me, obviously, the instant reaction was a negative one. Um, obviously, you, you have to look largely the reign of, of, of you know, Bashiri slash Usmanov has been a failure. I mean, ultimately, they'll have the stadium to show for it, but they're going to walk away having lost a lot of money. Uh, it's been a failure, you know, we, we've nosedived as a football club, particularly in the last few years. It's been a bit of a train wreck, to say the least. These guys coming in, you know, it's not it's not like the Saudis going into to Newcastle, is it? Um, where, you know, it, it lifted them up completely, didn't it? They had a toxic ownership beforehand and it lifted the whole club and they rode that wave into where they are now. Um but um, yeah, it's, it's, look, there's, there's plenty of there's plenty of warnings there for us, and, and Mashiri's clearly desperate now to sell. He's shown his cards; he's desperate to sell. That leaves him in a slightly weaker position. Um, so the overall answer is is we we should be cautious, but I don't want us to suddenly all leap on the bandwagon and say it's going to be an absolute nightmare before it's even happened. I think I think you're right, and you know, when regards to other other clubs. You know, they, they came into, I think, here to Berlin in the March and they were relegated in the May. It's nothing to do with them. You know, they've had no time to to put the stamp on the club. And this is not me, by the way, advocating for them. This is just the reality of of, of where we are with them. And they only own 7.5% of Sevilla. So, again, what 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 sway do they have there? What influence? Probably not a great deal. A lot of people believe that it's all on them. It, it's not. But I think, obviously, the concerning thing from a, a fan perspective, really, you know, is is the backstory to them in regards to the whole the drug trafficking things and extortion and and you know not not paying not paying people on time is probably the biggest thing in terms of you know the British Basketball League. There's potentially uh, a review going on there, which which may scupper things with us. And um, I think it's it's more to do with that and, and the funds where where the funds coming from. It's okay having assets worth twelve billion pounds, but where, where's the actual money that we need? You know and 
a lot of other clubs say that they don't really invest in the playing squad. You know, one thing Everton need is investments in the playing squad, of course. And they're the concerns. And 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 I get it. Um, what we need to understand as well, though, Everton are not, not an attractive uh, prospect for, for anyone to come in and, and look to look to purchase. Yes, Bramley Moore is is the one the one diamond in in our very sort of thorny crown, if you like. But I think outside of that, there's a, there's obviously there's debt, there's loans, there's the money machine he wants. There's there's a, a playing squad who, who basically are, are lackluster and and you know not not competitive at all really as as we've seen for, for quite a while. So there's a lot of issues there. Um, and who who in in the right mind would want to come in? And, and and put the money into it, and that's a question that you've got to ask yourself. So it's difficult to, to really discuss it in, in any kind of great de- detail because we don't know the ins and outs. It is is a long process. We don't know how far it's even going to get. You know, will 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 the the, the fa- uh, pass the the fit and proper test fit for the Premier League? Who knows? Uh, no, in the Premier League, they probably will do because they uh, don't like us anyway. So they want to see they want to see us fail. So that wouldn't surprise me if they tick that particular box. Um, but we've got to see how, how, how things play out. There's a lot, a lot of negativity released in the last sort of 24 hours or so in regards to obviously this potential deal. And you know, we've just got to see 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 what what happens. And um, it's it's probably the most negative I've ever seen a potential takeover deal get <laughs> you know, greeted with. And you know, you do compare it to to the Newcastle situation. Totally different, of course. You know, and the, and the scenes on the street when that takeover went through outside St James's Park, you know, compared to even how this news was greeted at the back end of this week by Everton fans, it's, it's absolutely night and day, and it shows you where we are. Um, and it's it's a shame, I think, on the surface that we couldn't get the MSP deal done. That seems to be better for, well, for us, we, we I think we felt as a fan base probably a bit more stable, but that kind of deal hasn't happened. They could potentially scupper this deal because they might call in their loan um, that they've given for for obviously for the stadium. So yeah, it's 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 messy, isn't it? It's it, it's a messy, messy affair. Everton are a messy club. Certainly not not an easy thing to to actually navigate through at the moment. And and Farhad Mashiri clearly just wants out. It's it's as simple as that. And and for him, um, for me, he's got no kind of loyalty. He's got no kind of affection. Towards the club, if if you if you're just going to sell to potentially anyone who will buy the club, you're not thinking about what's in the best interest for the club. I think he's only thinking about what's in the best interest for him. That's how it comes across to me. Well, well, mate, they're, they're definitely cutting their losses and running now. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? The transfer window clearly shows now. Um, you know, were we were we did we ever really have the money to go after the likes of Nonto and see these deals through? You know, Kevin Thelwell's come out this week and said apparently presented three different options, didn't he? Like an A, B, and a C in terms of levels of spending. Uh, you know, so the hierarchy to whoever that is. Um, and um, by all accounts, it was met with a cold reaction. You know what I mean? So that tells you all along. You know, we're we're the reason the Nonto deal never got done. Clearly, we were going in there like all the other deals we did in the summer with a view to offering. You know. Two million quid if that up front, you know what I mean? And Leeds had every right to turn that down. I genuinely believe if we'd have been in a, in a normal financial stable situation, we probably would have got the Nonto deal done. You know, where you offer obviously a lot more up front and then the left, uh, the rest in stage, which which is completely normal. Um, but yeah, I, I it just made you know the, the likes of okay, we got a good deal for a Wobie in the end, but we essentially haven't replaced him. You know, you look at the likes of Gordon going in January again, nothing. Obviously, we, we all know uh, Richarlison going for big money. And then, again, only now in the summer, we, we essentially replaced him, if you like. Um, so, you know, dare I say it, I, I, it just sounds like asset stripping, doesn't it? You know what I mean? To try and to, to try and minimise the damage. Um, but then you, you read some other reports and say, with the amount of money that we're losing uh, as a football club... Um, you know, in, in, we need to we need to sell in order to survive because then then liquidation even comes into 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 play potentially. Do you know what I mean? So, um, it's it's yeah, it's it's not great at all. I mean, you know, there's rumours out today, there's reports out today that you know the reason an MSP obviously we know they got shut down is because the loan that builded that preceded, um, uh, Mashiri coming in, 
they effectively um, you know didn't ratify it, which meant obviously you know they couldn't come in. They weren't happy with the stake that MSP were getting for the value of money they were putting in. I believe it was twenty five percent, wasn't it? Um, so the reason that was was called off. I do believe. Um, I think that, that you know from what I've read, you'll be able to know more than me that they have they have done the loan towards the stadium. Um, I think I believe it's a hundred million, which should be enough to finish the stadium. But then at the same time. There's noises out there, reports out there today saying that they could potentially scrap with a the triple seven deal through the fact that they may call the loans in. You know what I mean? So, and then that's suddenly the hundred potential... million doesn't do the stadium in total. I think what what it was the next stage is it? It was it was the next stage, and then Farhad Mishiri in his statement this week uh, in regards to seven 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 said that the deal he's going to do with them effectively secures the funding for the stadium so if that's the case you know great there's a lot in there's a lot riding on this on this deal isn't there of course but the the certainly as i say it it wasn't greasy with with fanfare it was greasy with a lot of trepidation a lot of anxiety a lot of negativity and that's just everton football club at this moment in time unfortunately and and how they've all got us and i think and i think you know going back to to the atmosphere at games i think that's now you know, more than crept into to the fan base of the match. I think there's almost a numbness to things. I think there's not, not so much people don't care. Of course, of course people care. You wouldn't, you wouldn't go to a match if, if you didn't care. But I think it's uh, all the fight that we that we had in us is almost being beaten out of us because of a, a, a variety of reasons. And when you've got the manager saying, you know, a clip that came out today before the Arsenal game that, um, oh, sorry, at the press conference on Friday that, that you know, he, he thought he would have more money available to, to do more on a transfer market than he actually got. You know, there's concerns there. We know we're short in certain areas. There's no one who plays on the right-hand side, for, for one. Um, Centre-half is, is certainly a problem and, and also centre-mid as well. So there's certainly gaps in that side. And, and I just think that, you know, with, with all, all those things combined, plus... You know this this takeover potentially from uh, a not too a not too uh, hotly received um, group of group of partners. It it all just combines it to make the the perfect storm, and and that that's where we are. And it's uh, difficult times, difficult times. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, if if rumours are to be believed that MSP may call, you know, call the loan the loan in, if you like, to prevent the triple seven deal going ahead, which could feasibly happen. Um, then the only way I see them doing that, because obviously it's, effectively we know it's run by Blues, isn't it? Effectively the, the the MSP side of things. So, or the Blues certainly Blues behind the scenes involved in it. If they were to do that, then the only way I think they would do that would be is if they were going to come back to the table themselves. Do you know what I mean? Whether that's with a view to buying out Machiri completely, or or not. So. But we all know that we'd much rather a consortium there behind them with a load of blues and obviously local businessmen that we'd much rather them, you know, be involved in, in running the club rather than, let's be honest, you know, reports that, you know, the triple seven guys are not, are not who they, they portray, they portray themselves as and, you know, other clubs can vouch for that. Um, and that's the worry. But I also think we don't need to run away with this like it's going to be the end of the world either. Um, so there needs to be some sort of like you know calm heads here to be able to sort of analyse if this is the only only option available to us, and that MSP won't come back to the table or, or any others will for that matter. What does the deal look like? Are the funds going to be available? Are the funds going to be available to, to like you just said, not just fund the stadium but also put cash in the club to buy players? You know, we need to we just need to know all this detail rather than making a load of assumptions. Mm. Um, on the back of obviously, you know, let's be honest, you know, negative news is good news for, for these days for for, uh, for journalists. Anything that's negative sells, and, and they're they're going to be all over it. I mean, they were all over it obviously the day it got announced. Um, so you know, I'd rather see the whole detail and how the, how the deal's going to look. We know it'll be debt funded because it's American, but what does that look like in terms of you know, figures? And, and and what does that look like in terms of you know trying to help the club? Because clearly Mashiri and Newsmanov now are checking out. Um, so you know what does that officially look like before I start sort of losing my head saying it's going to be a disaster? 
Yeah, and and I, I I totally I totally get that point, you know, and and it's difficult to to knock it in that headspace, as I say, for all the reasons I've already mentioned. Um, you've got to take it on its own merit, but I, I think that you know the, the trust that the Farhad Mishiri once had, he's he's totally lost now. So whatever you know, deal he's he's trying to do, especially given the uh, the history of of this particular group. You know, Everton fans are not going to receive that that news too too hotly. But like you say, important important not to to lose our minds. I suppose over it. Uh, let's see let's see how things play out. A lot a long way to go over the next the next few months or so. Let let's see if it gets ratified by by all the the relevant parties first of all. Um, but obviously on to on to next weekend now. Let's let's step away from the um, from the boardroom and onto the back onto the pitch again because obviously. We were back in action again next Saturday away at Brentford. Tough game, of course. They could see our five game on on Saturday. Um, Brentford, as we know, you know, since since you come up into the Premier League, they've become a real solid side, an exciting side at times, of course. Uh, good manager in Thomas Frank, difficult side to beat away, especially. Um, we certainly haven't done it since they've since they've come up. I've had a lot more success at home against them, but I just think you know. This game, I'm not, I'm not looking past this game, of course, but after this game, we've got Luton and Bournemouth at home in consecutive matches. How, how do you see this game, Lee, in terms of first of all importance, um, but also given what, what comes what comes after it? Do, do you think, the question I'm probably asking is, do you think that Everton can afford to lose this game? Well, no. I mean... Um... Let's be let's be honest. We had a conversation um, after we played Sheffield United in a game that again another game we should have arguably won. Um, we'd be having a very different conversation now if we'd have certainly got the points I, th- I felt we deserved against Fulham and Wolves. Again, all the if buts and maybes, but we would be. We, you know, it would be nowhere near as doom and gloom as it is now. But essentially, the fact of the matter is, we sit on one point out of a potential fifteen. That really concerns me because you know. Sometimes in football, you can get wins when you don't deserve it a lot of the time. And, and certainly Wolves and Fulham got that. You know, I look at Man United, everyone's complaining. How, you know, United fans are complaining how poorly they've been. And the writing was on the wall for United. They got lucky against Wolves. They got lucky in another game as well. And, you know, and, they're, and now now they're starting to show the form that they're actually truly in. But they'd be right down there. If, they, if they'd have actually lost the game, they should have done as well. So sometimes you do need a bit of luck. And we certainly didn't have that early doors in those first few games. Brentford will not be an easy game. It never is. As I said the other day, uh, when we recorded before the break, uh, Brentford are very much a hot and cold team. They go through streaks, don't they? They're a streaky team. When when they get on a run, they normally go on a half-decent run and it lasts a good few games. And then when they get on a bad run, they go the opposite, don't they? Where they, 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 they can't buy a win for love and money. They normally have their dip, certainly since they've been in the Premier League, you know, it's halfway through the season and they tend to recover again a bit towards the end. Um, but that was their first loss, wasn't it, at the weekend against Newcastle? Again, a very tight game. They've had tight games all season. You know, they drew two-two with Brent, uh, with Bournemouth at home. They drew two-two with uh, with Spurs at home, and they drew one-all with Crystal Palace at home as well. So, you know, there's three results there they've had at home, which have all been tight games, haven't they? And and the Newcastle was also a tight game at the weekend. Newcastle getting a very fortuitous penalty. Um, but let's not talk about that because the amount of times that Gordon has gone down exactly like he did at the weekend and never won a thing is another story. But they still got it and it was a very fortunate penalty. Uh, Thomas Frank was, you know, who I really like. I think we like him, don't we, on the podcast. We've said that before. He comes across really well. I think he's a very good coach. I think Brentford, you know, he's, he, he, you can see they're very, very well coached. Um so this game will obviously, you know, in theory, shouldn't be anywhere near as difficult as the Arsenal game, but it still won't be an easy game, like you said, particularly away from home against them. So um, he needs to find a win, Mike. He needs to find a win because we need something to change this to this form around before it becomes, you know, a real confidence issue. Then, because then when you start losing games, it's all well and good saying we've played well, we've not deserved the points. We, you know, we, we didn't deserve a thing against Villa. We didn't deserve a thing today. 
But you can't keep on throwing that line out there when you've got games against Brentford, games against Bournemouth, games against Luton. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's only so long you can keep saying that. We need to win. I don't care if we play the best football in the world. Um, but if we lose, we, you know, and we end up losing 1-0, it's not a good result. Do you know what I mean? So we just need to find a way to win. Um, and he needs, got, he needs to turn it around quickly for me. We've got to do what the likes of Fulham and Wolves did to us. I could have somewhere. They were, for me, they were nowhere near the, the best the best side, the best side yeah. on the day. But they come away yeah. with three points. It needs to be a, bit of, a, a little bit of a, um, you know, against the run of play. Any kind of win. Yeah. Like a spawny win. win. Yeah. 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 It, means, it means exactly the uh, exactly the same. Smash and grab. Get get the three points. One nil win. On on we go. And and I think that you know it's we, we'd be we'd be daft to sort of say that going to Brentford, even you know, without um, Ivan Tony is is a much easier prospect because it's not because he's got real quality. You know, Ryan and Bermo, I think he's a I think he's a brilliant footballer. He causes causes problems all the time. You know, uh, Whistler off front as well, another quality player. They've got so many, so many. I think decent attacking players who can who can do you some real damage. I'm just glad, by the way, that Neil Mopay can't play against us because obviously he's on loan because he was he'd be nailed on to score, absolutely nailed on to score. Um, so that's that's one thing which yeah, I'm I'm seeing as, as a positive. But there's such a, he said already, you know, such a, a well organised side, you know, a, a decent side. Um, I, I, I watched. I was watching their keeper actually yesterday. He, he had a few, a few sticky moments. Obviously, new keeper brought in this summer. Um, given the fact that obviously Gaia went to Arsenal, and he, he's he's one I'd like to like to be testing on Saturday. You know, certainly certainly early on because he looked a little bit a little bit ropey. But they are a well organised side. You know, I'd like any side who who stick with the manager for a number of years, and they they can imprint their blueprint on the club. You know, they they're well organised. It doesn't matter who comes into the system; they know the system. The system doesn't change particularly, but the, all the players know exactly how they should play and what their role is. And that's that I think is 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 why they, they've done so well since they since they've come up because they've stuck with with the same manager, who's a good manager, um, somebody who, who certainly commands commands respect. But we've got to we've got to go there, believing we can get something. I think almost now. We're better going away from home and away from Goodison Park to take that that sort of that pressure away from from some of those players. And you know the the, the two games after you know are absolutely vital in terms of against Luton and Bournemouth. And I know you wanted to mention that you know the Everton's home form is absolutely horrific, by the way. And I think we're out of the last sixteen games at home, we've lost twelve games. That's awful. Six well, in the mate, last seven. Mate, I've got to say to you, mate, it doesn't it doesn't make great reading, does it? Since April. We've lost six out of the last seven, like you said. So the last seven, uh, last eight games we've had at Goodison, we lost one nil, one nil, one nil. That's all this season. We won one nil, which is obviously the game that we stayed up in. We lost three nil, four one, three one, and drew one all. I mean that's unbelievable. And if you look at Daisy's record as well, you know, out of the last eighteen league games, full stop, we've lost twelve. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's, only, he's only won three out of 20, by the way. I know, I know. And don't get me wrong, there's lots of caveats. It's not just as simple as pointing the finger at the manager. But take all, take all the noise away around the football club, which has been you know, pretty hefty, to say the least, in terms of what's gone on with Mashiri, what's gone on you know, uh, you know, with Ken Wright, what's gone on, you know, the lack of availability of funds, the fact we've constantly sold players and not replaced them. You know, don't get me wrong, there's loads of mitigating factors, but strip all that away. He's ultimately got a poor record, hasn't he, since he's come in? You know what I mean? And I know he kept us up and it's another miracle. But I said this to you guys at the start of the season, the last thing I want again, Lampard kept us up. You know, and then suddenly before we know it, by, by, the, by, by the time we got to January, he was gone. You know, and and and... and I can see just repeating itself again. And I'm torn really here. I'm really torn because I watched that team today and I just thought, I wouldn't pay to watch that side. You know what I mean? I wouldn't pay to. I know, oh, look, we will. We will. We love the club. You know what I'm saying? You just kind of like, mm. to, to watch that. We, and I said to you guys, when we were linked with Bielsa, you know, would Bielsa have kept us up? Very, very unlikely under the circumstances with the, you know, with the players he had at his disposal, with even what he offered saying, Look, I'll just put my guys in. Yeah, I won't even be coaching them. You know what I mean? You you coach the first team. I'll 
I'll, mm. I'll, I'll assume you're going to get relegated and I'll, I'll, I'll have you playing different football. But, you know, I watched, I watched some of the... the, the you know, um, he's now managing Uruguay, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? I watched some of their, their play the other day and you can see how well coached they are. You know what I mean, you can see it was what Deserby's doing now at Brighton. You know, Brighton have gone to Old Trafford there with a team worth some like 18 million quid. With you know, even to, to even have the you know, the balls to drop Evan Ferguson after a hat trick and do that, and then bring in bring in Danny Welbeck, they're one of their old players, and then still win three one. I mean, it just shows you what a top football coach is. I was having a, a conversation with a friend today, saying I generally don't think in football these days that there's as many class coaches as there was years ago, because I think years ago. Football, you know, people that went into coaching and be managed would, would, would earn their apprenticeship lower down in the leagues. We live in such an instant gratification world now. You get people like Lampard, who may or may not be a good coach, who's clearly his record isn't, isn't the best at the highest level. But for me, people like that should never get anywhere near a Premier League club until they've done multiple years lower down. You know, and he did that at Derby, and then all of a sudden he's got a Premier League job. He's, he's, he's managing at Chelsea. You know what I mean? And that just, that, that just, it's just completely. You know, symptomatic of the way football is these days with players, never mind managers. Um, but I, you know, I, and it's a bit knee jerk after the results today. But I just feel like if 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 you went to watch Bielsa's team play, we probably would have played Arsenal and either won four three or got spanked seven one. You know what I mean? Um, and that you know that has its own own issues. But you, you see where I'm coming from. At least there's an identity. At least as fast attacking football plays, bombing ahead of the ball, one on ones all over the pitch, man for man. You know what I mean? Because I'm, you know, I've said this before, and it may sound a bit, you know, people will disagree with me, but at least that's exciting to watch because we haven't won anything since we were kids. You know what I mean? So I, I honestly watching that today, I'm just thinking, I, I, I just can't watch that football. I can't. I just can't watch. It. I don't even know what style we are. I don't even. And I'm just thinking, look, it hasn't been like that in all the games. Don't get me wrong, but but you know what I'm saying. The point still remains. You know, what I mean, he could he could walk into the sack now by just not winning the next three or four games, couldn't he? But if you know, if we carry on playing that style of football, I can't see us winning those games. If I'm honest, I think I think we've got to though. What I, again, you know, obviously we're, we're disappointed tonight after what we've seen in terms of. How boring it was, as we've already said. It was boring, yeah. of course, yeah. and and the fact that we didn't we didn't sort of pose a threat. So defensively, I, I thought we did all right, of course, but you know we we are disappointed and and we're concerned the fact that there was no creativity. If we go back though to the first two home games, Everton should have won those games. And how many, how many times and how many people have said if we had better win in those games, we would have won the game. So we've got to look at it, look at things like that as well. Listen, okay, disappointed where, where we are on the table number of points we got after five games is poor. It's a really poor start of the season. If we perform like we performed against Fulham, against uh, Luton and Bournemouth coming up, then, you know, we can turn things around and we'll probably win those games. So we've got to look at that as well. But I think at the moment, obviously, there's a real sense of disappointment. We know there's a tough game to come away at Brentford, who we've discussed already in terms of how they are, how we know it's a difficult place to go. Um, but we've got to we've got to believe that now with returning players, players getting minutes in the legs. Obviously, Jack Harrison back. You know, by all accounts, he'll probably if he comes through this week. Okay, he'll be in the squad as well. There's another player to add to things. You've got Calvert Lewin. Obviously, he was on the bench today. Who came on? Beto, Dan Juma, Chimiti, McNeil's obviously back. He looks rusty by the way today. He looked absolutely knackered. He, he didn't really implement things, but. Has been out for quite a while, so so that will come. So we've got to look at we are if we get these players back in, and we can, you know, we've, we've got to say important to keep them fit. We need these players fit because there's nothing behind them. Let's and we know that because we we've seen some of our benches in the first few weeks of the season, and you know they've been really really poor. Um, but th- there is still a little bit of hope there that we we have got enough over the next few games to to pick up pick up some points. Um, well, Saturday, Saturday is really important for me. Not to, you know, I think we've got to come away with something. I really do. I think that, you know, we don't want to be losing yet another game. We've got to see. We can't approach the game against Brentford how we approach the game against Arsenal. Surely we won't do. Surely there'll be a little bit more of, of attack and impetus because it's Brentford and not Arsenal. With all due respect, you know, Brentford are a good side, but they're not Arsenal. 
Um, and, and it might suit us, Mike. It might suit us playing away from home as well. Was, was you look at, that, you look at that home record. You know, you look at the home record there. With everything going on, the fans have got every right to be anxious and they've got every right to be concerned. We've stayed up with basically, you know, basically the last goal of the season. We stayed up. You know what I mean? So the fans have every right to be anxious and, and maybe that is seeping onto the players. You mentioned before about Onana taking the easy option and things that went. Maybe that is symptomatic of playing at home, isn't it? Where, you know, the fact is our record there clearly in the recent times, even with and the dice has been awful. It may it may suit the players right now, not maybe not playing at home. And I know that sounds awful because it should always be a fortress, Goodison. But right now, it's it's with everything going on behind the scenes at the club and everything else that we've just discussed, it's, it's probably not the easiest atmosphere to play in, is it? No, listen, of of, of course, of course, it's not. Um, but the players, you know, the players have got to have got to give us fans something to feed off. You know, we. Look at how important, and we're not going too deep into it, how important us as fans have been in the last two seasons in getting that you know, this side through and keeping mm-hmm. them in the Premier League. We've been absolutely massive. And like I said, you know, it's almost at times we feel that the fight's been, been beaten out of us for, for so many different reasons. But we keep on showing up. We're, we're always there. It's always a sellout. Um, and we've just got to keep on going because, you know, post Brentford, like I said, those Luton and Bournemouth games, a huge, I know it's still early in the season, but the huge, you've got to start winning games. And if we don't beat Brentford, you know, I mean, the Luton game is massive. It's absolutely massive because it almost, in my head, thinks, well, whoever gets the most points out of us, Sheffield United, Luton and Burnley will stay up, you know, and that's 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 the thing. And um, it's, a poor, it's a poor thing to even think about, but that's where we are. Um, so we can't afford to be dropping points to Bournemouth. Uh, to Luton, sorry, and then obviously Bournemouth come the week after, who a lot more stable than we are. Have signed some 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 real quality. We know how, how good how good Bournemouth Bournemouth can be on the day, uh, but they they're two real pivotal games. But obviously, let's not look beyond beyond Brentford. Tough trip, decent side, um, and it's going to be it's going to be a game which which Everton have got, got to look to get something from. But let's sound off with your prediction if we can, Lee. Uh, I took the predictions away. It didn't work. I brought them back. It's still not worked. So it doesn't really matter. But what are you saying? It might, it might, it might be a case of just getting rid again, man. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a difficult one to call, mate. It really is. They, they've, they've, okay, they lost at the weekend. They've had an indifferent start, but they've looked good in the games. I've watched them playing. Um, I thought, like you said, in Buenos had a really good start to the season, filling in Tony's shoes. So. Let's be honest. Right now, you take one one. I'm going to say one one. Yeah, I'd, I'd certainly, I certainly would take a draw. I, th- I think we can, we can, we can get a draw from the game. I really do. Um, I think, I think it will, there will be goals though. Um, I'm going to say, same as Sheffield United, the way to all, um, and and I think that will be a a decent little stepping stone, you know, for us to to, to step on before we before we get back to Goodison Park and you know a, a massive massive game this this area in this season. But that's us for today. So a bit of a late one. Um Pete's tucked up in bed already with his uh his nightgown and his and his hat on. Um so we he'll be up early to work in the morning. Um but that's us for this week. We'll be back ourselves next weekend obviously um back in our usual usual time on the on a Sunday. So we we look forward to to recording that hopefully looking at, at a bit more Looking back on a bit more of a positive Everton performance. So we will catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.